Welcome to the Parker Aver Group's podcast series, Talk Retail to Me, where we offer insights and realistic advice from experts in the retail and consumer brands industries. The goal of this series is to provide our listeners with two to three pragmatic pieces of advice in each episode that they can immediately go out and employ in their companies. If you're new to Parker Avery and this podcast, we are a leading retail and consumer goods consulting firm with over 600 years of collective experience, both as consultants as well as leadership positions in the industry. Our firm uniquely combines deep industry experience with consulting expertise and world-class talent to deliver meaningful results. Our approach allows us to build successful, long-term relationships with some of the most recognizable retail and consumer brands in the world. If you're interested in learning more about the Parker Avery Group, we invite you to visit www.parkeravery.com. In this episode regarding in-store experiences, experts Kathy Toll and Trisha Gustin, along with myself, Heidi Sensitz, are going to talk about what to expect when you're expecting customers. Kathy is the Parker Avery's change management leader, and she's led a considerable number of brands through major change initiatives. Kathy tends to focus on beauty and fashion, both segments she's extremely passionate about, but she has also led projects in hard goods and home furnishings. Hailing from Chicago, Kathy specializes in change management, education design and delivery, and project management. Trisha is our firm's marketing leader with also a considerable background in store operations, both retail and restaurant. In addition to leading Parker Avery's marketing, Trisha works with clients in many of the firm's software selection and strategy projects, often herding the cats across geographies. She brings the unique perspective of owning and managing a small retail storefront, as well as her own home decor business near Richmond, Virginia. And I'm Heidi, and I will be your moderator for this episode, but also bring my own perspective. I have over 25 years of retail experience, both in the industry and as a consultant, and I focus on many areas, including merchandise planning, allocation, demand forecasting, replenishment, retail ops, and wholesale. Prior to joining Parker Avery, I worked with a number of leading luxury retailers, and I'm recording from the eastern border of the beautiful state of Pennsylvania. In our podcast, What to Expect When You're Expecting Customers, we started a conversation about some of the escalating behavior we're seeing in retailers and in restaurants. Now, is this a trend? And if so, how do frontline employees handle these situations? The reason we're seeing this now is everyone is on edge and there's increased environmental stressors. Also, no one knows the rules anymore and people are uncertain about how to behave. There's also a feeling of infringement on personal rights with people being locked down and forced into stay-at-home orders. So, Kathy, do you have any suggestions for how to manage customers that seem to be escalating? I do, Heidi. I think it's a really good time for us to talk about returning back to basics and some of the foundational tenets that we all grew up with um, coming up through the ranks in retail. So one of the pieces is if you see somebody becoming agitated, acknowledge their emotion. It's totally fine to say, hey, you look frustrated. You look like you're in a hurry. How can I help? Let them vent. I guarantee you they want to tell you their story. Try not to interrupt and use active listening skills. Nod. Let them talk it out. When they're done, rather than forming your own 
like your own rebuttal, apologize, even if you don't feel like you have to. I am so sorry you're feeling this way and sorry that this happened to you. The customer isn't always right, but they are the customer. One excellent tip to keep in mind, it's called the agreement frame. So above all else, not only in this type of communication, but in any of your communications, avoid using the word but. Um, but is considered a verbal eraser. I'm so sorry, but I'd love to help you, but our policy is there is nothing that will incense any of us than hearing the word but because we know the bad news is coming after it. So swap it out with the word and. Replace but with and. It sets up an agreement frame. I'm sorry you're dealing with this and I want to help. I can do option A or option B. Which would you like? And it does take some practice. You'll notice now if you're aware of in your conversations, listen for the amount of times we start sentences with the word but, but instead, and if you do a simple and, it will keep the person talking with you instead of feeling like they're being shut down. I totally agree with that, Kathy. And I want to go back to the idea of apologizing. I think that is perhaps one of the biggest tenets to remember here. Apologize, apologize, apologize. That old adage that the customer is always right. Yeah, if, if you want to maintain their business, it is still true, even when it's not. We've all had those customers. But if you can keep them engaged, acknowledge their frustration, and emphasize that you're working to fix it, that will go a long way. This is not the time to argue. And going back to the word but, that can seem argumentative even if it's not intentional. So then if you have not already, obviously nobody wants a confrontation in front of other customers. So if you can move the person to a more private area and introduce yourself. If you're a manager and have a business card, give one to the customer so they realize they're talking to leadership. And this also gives them a chance to realize that you recognize their issue is important. Second, and you know, it's hard to put a priority on some of this stuff sometimes, but be authentic. You gotta thank them for coming into the store and thank them for their business and really thank them for pointing out something that may be an issue that you really didn't even realize it. Let's face it, without customers, even those challenging ones, you don't have a store and you don't have a job. And then one thing I think is really important to be able to do is offer a concession. You know, saying things like, I'm so sorry for your weight. May we treat you to a cup of coffee or can I get you a glass of water? Or um, for your inconvenience, I'd like to give you a gift card for the next time you come and visit us. And then if you feel like you've successfully neutralized the situation and you feel it's appropriate, start engaging them in a little bit of more casual conversation. You can compliment them, comment on something they're wearing or something that they're selected to purchase. And do this with a smile and remember to be genuine. Then if you're able to get the contact information, do so. If all these efforts still end up being a big miss or it's something that you feel like needs to be followed up, then you have an email and the phone number so you can give them a phone call. I do think that you brought up a good point about empowering the associates. It's something that they often feel like they can't do. I know when I'm frustrated and someone says to me, 
I'm sorry, but I can only give you 10,000 frequent flyer miles. I'm like, well, somebody else did more. So it's, it can be very frustrating when people don't have a, don't feel they have the authority to provide something to help you when you're angry. A disgruntled customer, if they're properly handled, can become a customer for life. They can even become one of your biggest brand ambassadors by telling their friends and their family about the excellent service they received from you when they came into the store. Because one of the things I, we think that is going to happen is people are going to be trying to return products to physical stores that they may have purchased online. And that might happen frequently. So be prepared to take back the product and handle the transaction and don't get frustrated. So Trisha, what are some other tips that you can offer? Going back to things that to avoid saying things like you need to calm down or I can see you're obviously upset. <laughs> Sometimes those can seem really condescending and you really don't want to be treating a customer like that. Even if you don't, again, if you don't intend to, it's things to remember to avoid saying. Try not to speak slowly or in a patronizing manner, especially if they're you know demonstrating high energy. Pick up your pace so they feel heard and you can kind of squash any more negativity. Trisha, something as you're talking about this reminds me years ago of some basic communication tenets I was taught is that our tone of voice, meaning the rate, the pace, the pitch that I'm speaking comprises 38% of how we, we are being perceived as we communicate. Our body language is almost 55%, more than half, and the words we're choosing are a minimal amount. So something as simple as a tone of voice that you take can set somebody off. And that's where you have to be cognizant of better communication skills when you're working with people. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and also the body language, arms crossed type of thing or arms on your hips, those things people notice. They may not realize, realize that they're noticing, but those can be very off-putting. And so Make sure that, you know, talk to your employees and your associates about what their hand gestures mean and, and have very neutral body language. That can go a long way with just the overall persona that you're trying to create with your store associates in your environment. Any comment needs to be very, very neutral, especially with today's tensions being extremely high on a lot of different fronts. You got to at all costs, avoid any appearance of profiling or jumping to any conclusions at all. Above all, communicate to your store staff they need to maintain a strong sense of empathy at the forefront. You know, throughout this COVID crisis and everything going on, I've thought a lot about something I was told years ago, and that was the best day of your life is someone else's very worst day. You have no idea what that customer may have just went through and they may be hanging on emotionally by a bare thread. This may be the time they most need companionship and at least an empathetic ear. Be there for your customers, and they will be there for your store and for your associates. That's such a great point, Tricia, because I'm not proud of it. I can think of myself when I've been in very stressful situations, whether it's in an airport, at a store, um, something pretty severe might have happened, and I probably did not manage my behavior like I typically would have. But I, but the person 
they weren't realizing I'm like, this isn't about you. This is about my life is like not going well today. And I need somebody to listen to me and acknowledge me. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that I have been thinking about is that in many cases, store associates, new hires are trained how to use the time clock and trained how to ring up a sale. And that's not what their job is. Their job is to communicate because the best salespeople are great communicators, not necessarily people who can take something out of a case and present it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, that's funny that you talk about ringing up the, the sale and things like that. You know, at the, the store I work and manage, we've got a very, you know, it's, it's, it's a mom and pop shop and it's a homegrown POS system because it's just a very unique situation with lots of vendors. Anyway, it's very wonky and it's not very reliable. But we all teach the associates, hey, just keep apologizing and thank you for your patience. Thank goodness we have such great customers and they they are used to it. But it's partly because the store associates kind of walk them through that. Oh, sorry, it's being a little funky today. And I think that goes a long way because it just creates that environment that that we're all kind of, you know, we'll just all be patient and happy together. I spent a little bit of time working in luxury and... The sales associates spent an intensive amount of time getting trained on the selling ceremony to be able to sell expensive products, convince people to spend thousands of dollars on a jacket. That same level of training doesn't necessarily take place in, let's say, a convenience store, but it should be a little bit more. The people on the front line represent your brand every day. So where's the boundary? When does a customer go from being angry to being belligerent? And when would they require intervention? And when can you say enough is enough? Because one of the things you also have to take in mind is your store associates need to feel like they are safe and secure and not in any danger. That's exactly, that's a really excellent point, Heidi. Your frontline teams have to know that there are boundaries in place. For instance, most retailers have a zero-tolerance policy for profanity, racial slurs, name-calling, and there is a plan B. And more importantly, you need to share as leadership in the store and in the field, what is that plan B? It might be a signaling a coworker with a code word. Um, usually there's a three-digit number. I might be able to pick up the phone and just call somebody for help quickly. It just goes back to observing what is going on in your store and being aware of it. It's about the employee maintaining awareness of their environment, noting unusual behavior. Don't judge it or try to react to it, but note it. And if you watch it progressing, don't be afraid to start taking some of the more subtler precautions that you need to. Um, your store managers, department managers, floor managers, and asset protections are typically trained in handling these types of es- escalations. But there's a lot to be said for treating everyone as if they're imperfect human beings, which we all are. Kathy, those are really good points. And one of the things also that should be taken into consideration as early as in the interview process, when you're talking to a potential associate, to see what they would do as a reaction to a customer who is upset or frustrated or starting to escalate. So that's something that can happen very early, just because that can tell you a lot about a person and whether you want them representing your brand. Or even asking them, tell me about a time that you had to work with a difficult customer. How did you handle it? 
to really see if they've had to walk through and, and sort of um, get that person, that customer on their side. Another suggestion also on a potential associate is to ask them, can you tell me at a time when you had a poor experience and you got frustrated, what was the response of the sales associate back to you? Yeah, and how, how you felt about it. Because it just depends on how they were reacted to. You know, was it right. a good experience? Was it bad? What'd you learn from it? That type of thing. is If they're willing, you know, that t- tells a lot about an associate or an interviewee. If they're able to learn from something and say, you know, listen, this is how it was handled and this is how I would have handled it. Two totally different things, but but it'll tell you a lot about that associate, whether or not you want to hire them. What a very interesting point to bring it sort of full circle. Um, I don't want it to be lost on anybody listening that this isn't just about your store associate. This is about your organizational structure, its culture. It's about how you educate and continue an ongoing dialogue and communicate with every level of your employee base. Your president to an SVP of stores, to a regional manager, to a store leader, to a sales associate should all be, they should all know these basic tenants. This isn't something we just leave to an associate. And I think that's a huge piece that we look at frequently when we're doing our work with clients is, do you really need a training program, air quotes, for your associates? Or is this about a bigger issue, having your leaders being able to actually coach and develop and train and build continual improvement in their people. Kathy, I don't know if you remember the first time you walked behind a counter in a cosmetics department. I still vividly, it was 30 years ago. I remember walking, I'm almost gonna get teary-eyed about this. Walking, (laughs) Walking behind an Elizabeth Arden counter and I was nervous. I was incredibly nervous because I have to help people and I have to convince them they need to buy makeup. And it wasn't even the best brand in our department. I mean, if I had gotten Clinique, it would maybe it would have been a little bit better. But I just rem- I remember that day so vividly. And I remember my first customer. And I just, my first sale, my first transaction, it was just, it was amazing. Oh, you really, when you think of it, I can recall even starting with a new retailer. Um, I am so excited to be there and I'm so excited to be working for the retailer and I can't talk and chew gum at the same time. (laughs) So I'm trying to maintain my chit chat with the customer while I'm using a new POS system. My hands are shaking. They're spelling their last name and none of it is computing in my head. I had to continually ask them, can you spell it again? So there is an understanding that People are, depending, it might be their first day, might be their 30th day. There can be some nerves involved, and you're juggling a lot of balls when you're working with and serving a customer. Absolutely. What we want to leave you with are some key takeaways. And a lot of this is what I was trained on many years ago, and some places it seems to have fallen by the wayside, is going back to the basics and learning and reinforcing communication skills. And not just because of the pandemic or any other recent disruptions, but successful salespeople are very good communicators. And reading what's coming back to them is important for them to be able to complete a transaction. This should also be part, like we mentioned, of the upfront interview process. The second takeaway is to learn to adapt your behavior to how the client wants to be served. Be mindful of their style of communicating and react appropriately. It's kind of the golden rule, 
but not quite the golden rule. Treat the customer the way they want to be treated. The third takeaway is also something that Trisha had talked about, which is empowering the associates to be able to make decisions on the fly or concessions and make sure they're within reason, of course, but that they should have the authority to perform this on the fly in the presence of the customer. Because it shows that they have the authority to make decisions and reflect to the customer, I heard you, I understand, and here's what we'd like to do for you. Customers will remember that for a long time. And these should be in their back pocket, ready to go, and understand when the appropriate times are to bust these out and offer them to a customer who is agitated or belligerent. We wanted to thank you so much for your time today. And if you have any questions about the topics we discussed, please don't hesitate to call us. You can find our contact information at parkeravery.com. Join us for our next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. And remember, we're here to help.